Hey podcast, yours truly here, otherwise known as Claire Tuning, your friendly neighborhood non-diet registered dietitian reporting to you here from the podcast studio. Totally kidding, don't have a podcast studio, but that would be cool. But I am here for episode 87 of the Yours Chuli podcast, which is really interesting because today's guest and I actually recorded today's episode before everything started getting very real and very serious with COVID-19. But I think the topic that we are covering or that we discuss in our conversation is very pertinent to the times now. It's something I have been getting a lot of questions around, so I'm really hopeful that you will find today's episode helpful and timely for you wherever you might be in the world today. I'm recording the intro for this episode about a week and a half before it airs. I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but this whole shelter in place, stay at home thing has me a little bit farther ahead in my workload than I typically would be, but a little self quarantine update from yours truly. I've been spending some time outside For any of you who've been following along on my stories, maybe you've seen more of an outdoor scene, some stream photos, some nature photography, if you can even call it that. It's more like a boomerang of me like dancing on a random rock, but um, I am actually at a a property my family owns in Virginia. It's kind of in the, the little literal middle of nowhere, as I like to joke. I'm very grateful to have a place like this to come to and have a little bit more space and blue sky than I would living in Arlington or right outside of Washington, D.C., which uh, you feel kind of packed in there sometimes. So I've been hanging out here. It's really nice to have a different change in scenery, have been doing some yard work with my family, and I have learned very quickly that yard work, whether it be like raking leaves or Picking up sticks or pruning bushes and shrubs is most definitely a form of moving freely in a way that I am not so accustomed to. So I've been feeling that, getting used to some different types of movement, some more rest as well. I've been trying my hand at some reading and some leisure activities as well as staying connected with all of my one-on-one clients. I feel very grateful to that my practice and, you know, my work with my clients is completely 100% virtual. It has been for a couple of years now, so I feel incredibly blessed to be able to keep up with my clients and have nothing really too drastic change on our front, on the conversation front. So again, I hope wherever you are, you are staying safe, sane, and healthy. You're maybe using this time to rest a little bit more, to work on your own relationship with food, to spend time alone or maybe with a few, hopefully not too many people, but a few people who you might love and find near and dear to your heart. And as always, if there's anything that I can do for you throughout this time, I'm really trying to put out more content on social media, you know, podcasts, podcast episodes that really have a lot of helpful and tactical tips to keep you focused on nourishing your body, mind, and spirit in this time that 
is a little bit stressful and really chaotic and very different, I think it's safe to say, than what we are all accustomed to. So as always, sending you lots and lots of love on today's episode of the podcast. But before I intro our guest, who I am super excited to have on the show, I know many of you may know her or know of her and some of her incredible sassy content she puts out on the interwebs. But before we get there, we have to focus in on our Yours Truly Goal Slayer feature post of the week. So for those of you who might be new to the podcast, the Yours Truly Goal Slayers is a free private Facebook community that I host. It is filled with my clients, future, past, present. It is filled with many incredible and very supportive and kind individuals who are looking to learn more about intuitive eating and further their own intuitive eating journey. So if you would like to join us, I will tell you how to do so in a moment. But we've had a couple of... excuse me, (laughs) joys of recording live and promising yourself that you will not hit pause until you're done. But I've had a couple of really awesome things going on in the community. I have been doing daily live chit chat videos for our weekdays. So Monday through Friday for a couple of weeks now until we are no longer quarantined in our homes. I'm really trying to show up with some greater frequency to provide more support and space for conversation conversation in our community. So we've been doing that. We've been having a stress less challenge, really encouraging each other on fun and creative ways where we manage our stress and take care of ourselves throughout this time. So really, I'm a little bit biased, but I think it's a wonderful corner of the internet to be in at all times of the year, but especially in this time. So the featured post that I would like to read for all of you listeners today actually comes from one of my newest one-on-one clients and additions to our coaching program. So she wrote this after our first one-on-one call, as you will hear. So she writes, I had my first video call with Claire yesterday. It was so great to take what was so great to take away from my chat with Claire was giving myself permission to offer myself compassion. I hope everyone is having a great day. And then one of my other clients responds to her right after she posts saying, having my one-on-one video chats is my favorite. I get off of those calls and feel so refreshed and grounded for this journey. I'm so happy you had your first. It only gets better from here. So a couple of takeaways. First and foremost, again, this community is so uplifting and supportive. I love when my clients and friends and colleagues in this community can come together and connect with each other and share what they are learning because many voices are always better than one. That's what I like to say. And two, what my current client is reflecting on from her call of giving herself compassion. That's something that I really try to hone in on with all of my clients and our conversations. But we live in this world that thrives off of these messages that say you're bad for eating this or you shouldn't be doing that. You know, these diet culture messages that really erode our senses of self-trust with our body, with our cues, with our preferences, and really make us second guess ourselves. And again, like I said, erode our sense of self-trust. So really, if you are listening to this podcast, if this is your first episode or your 87th with us, 
I hope I said episode 87 at the beginning and not six. This is definitely episode 87, but however long you have been listening to the podcast, I hope you can find a little bit of space to not be so hard on yourself because as I always, always say with my clients and my community, there is no such thing as hating yourself healthier. And that applies to this time that we are all living in now. It applies to any other time, moment, year, day, month, that we will all be alive. So if you take nothing else away from this episode, which I know you will, but even if you stop listening now, I hope you take away, be kind to yourself, give yourself some space, know that you are doing the best you can with what you have. And there is no such thing, I'll say it again, as hating yourself healthier. So with that said, if you would love to come and join us in the community, there are a couple of ways you can do so. The first, if you are on the gram as I am, you can visit the link in my Instagram bio at Claire Tuning and fill out the application from there. You can also search on Facebook, the Yours Truly Goal Slayers, and hit request to join on that private community. Once you do so, please keep a close eye on your message inbox because I will message you the link to the application from there that you will need to fill out just to get an idea of what the community is all about and the ground rules that we all abide by. So I really hope to see you there. And now... Without further ado, we will transition to introducing today's guest. She goes by the name of Sammy Previtt. You may know her from Dietitians of Palm Valley. They are now Break Diet Rules on the gram, like I mentioned a couple of moments ago. Sammy and I had the pleasure of being connected through a mutual friend of ours, Jenna Werner of Happy, Strong, Healthy. She is actually an upcoming guest on the show, so stay tuned for that. But her and Jenna go way, way back, as you might know, from their new podcast that has just released called Drunk Dietitian. So be sure to check out both of them there. They are so fun to listen to. They have so much value to add to this non-diet space. But Sammy herself, I'm reading this from her information, her bio on her website, dietitiansofpalmvalley.com. She enjoys working with all different populations and her favorite part about being a dietitian is helping others create peace with food. That might sound familiar to you here on the podcast because that is one of the principles of intuitive eating, one of the the subsets of the principles at least. So she says, many people believe that dietitians are the food police, but this is simply untrue. Sammy believes that food was made to provide our bodies with nourishment and pleasure. She treats each client with individualized care based on their specific needs. So again, Sammy, like myself, is a non-diet registered dietitian. If you do not follow her, on social media at Break Diet Rules. And I highly encourage you to do so. As I said at the beginning of the episode, she puts out so much wonderful content with a dose of sass as well to fight back at diet culture. And I am so grateful that she took a little bit of time out of her day to be with us here on the podcast to talk all about emotional eating. I'm putting that in heavy air quotes. If you could only see me right now, heavy air quoting emotional eating and we really talk about why this is such a loaded term 
in diet culture why we have really grown to fear this behavior, eating out of some sort of emotion, why we automatically blame it as, you know, something is wrong with me. This is a always a bad behavior. And we kind of start to talk about, well, how does intuitive eating view the need and the want to cope with food emotionally? How can we maybe view this behavior as something that is not black and white? It's not always bad. It's not something that we have to eradicate or else again, especially in this time that we are living in now. So I really hope that you will come out of today's episode with a new understanding, maybe a broader perspective, a different understanding of what this can mean, and also a couple of tactical tips to help you cope with your emotions using kindness. That is one of the principles of intuitive eating that is coming out in the new and improved updated edition of the book Intuitive Eating that is coming out, I believe, in June of 2020. So mark your calendars. It's available for pre-order now. But if you're wondering, okay, how can I start start coping with my emotions with kindness, I really hope that Sammy and I's conversation will be a really awesome foundation and a starting place for you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sammy. Sammy, good morning. How are you? Welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. How's your Friday morning so far? So far, so good. I am hopped up on cold medicine and have tea here. So if I sound a little nasally, um, that is why. But otherwise, we're doing great. We're doing great. For anyone who is listening who obviously can't see you, I'm just going to let them know that your mug says, that's so fetch, <laughs> or you're so fetch. Yeah. And it has like a little dog bone. I'm imagining yeah. that's dog inspired. What's your dog's name? Remind me. Yes. So I have a French bulldog named Biggs. Huh? This was given to me by one of my amazing nutrition interns um, who she now is in sports dietetics down at University of Miami, but she gave this to me before she left. Um, but yes, I love my dog Biggs, but I love him so much that I gated him out so he doesn't ruin this episode. <laughs> so Something um, I, I actually posted about this yesterday. I have never owned a dog personally, but I've recently gotten obsessed with like corgi videos. I think corgis are so fun. They I look saw like that on your dogs. post yeah. yesterday. <laughs> I love them so much. I think they're adorable, but I, I keep thinking to myself like, what do I do if I'm on a podcast or a client call and like a dog starts barking? Like, I don't know. I guess you just gate them outside. Is that kind of your strategy there? <laughs> yeah. So Biggs, he, he'll never bark. That's something on when we record with drunk dietitians on our podcast. Like, so Jenna, co-host Jenna, dietitian, has a go golden doodle, I think. And those are very like barky. Like the, it like barks a lot and we'll like hear it in the background, but it is what it is. Biggs doesn't really bark at all. Like he will never make noise. He'll just, if he comes in here and I'm not paying attention to him, he'll start like fighting the carpet or like slapping my leg or like just doing things that are like, why aren't you paying attention to me? So as long as he's like not near me, he's like asleep on the couch and he's fine. But he has to be remembered, like reminded, like don't come in. Right. So Biggs just needs attention, right? Yes. He's looking for some love. That's all. Yes. <laughs> He's a little attention whore. That's yeah. for sure. Um, well, I'm super excited to have you here on the show. And before we dive into who you are and all of the awesome stuff that you're up to, uh, we have a little tradition here on the podcast. We call it this or that. So I have five questions um, right. in no particular order, just a fun way for us to get to know you. So 
Aldi or Trader Joe's? What do you prefer? Do you have an Aldi in Florida? We do. We have okay. one in Florida. We have one. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We have them up there, but I am like Trader Joe's till I die. <laughs> like, it's just so good. Yeah. I to be honest, it. like Aldi has a, a couple of like really good steals, especially yes. on like fruits and veggies, but I don't know if anywhere can compete with like the snacks and the dips. Oh my gosh. The dips. The, the Trader Joe's has. So and the frozen food. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's hard. All around, all around yes. Trader Joe's win. Um, yes. Okay, so this is more of a preference. Whenever I ask food-specific questions, I like to clarify. We're not saying one is better than the other. It's just what mm -hmm. do you prefer, but sweet potato fries or regular fries? If you could only have one type of fry for the rest of your life. It's definitely hard. Um, that's a really hard question, but my gut reaction is regular fries. I am like a salty, crunchy, like you could have a plate of cookies in front of me and I don't care if I have chips and guac, French, like crispy, salty French fries. Like that's my jam. Yeah. I very much agree on the regular fry. I like sweet potato fries, but when I'm looking for like a French fry, I want it to be salty, savory. Sometimes the sweet potato ones are a little too sweet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So this one is a little bit more weather focused. So would you rather it be rainy outside, but warm? or cold outside but sunny how cold are we talking mm, so i know your definition of cold living in florida might <laughs> be different than mine yeah. but like your version of cold we'll keep it vague but like whatever you consider like i need a jacket it's cold would you rather it be cold and sunny or rainy and warm i would go cold and sunny because i again what i'm thinking of cold is probably like a bikini day for you like laying out but like I think of like 45 degrees where you need like a coat and it's like brisk and like it, the air is cold but it's like sunny that I can deal with but rain if I just want to lay inside and sleep all day I'll take the rainy day but um we'll go cold and sunny yeah. Rain for me, it really impacts my mood. Like I just have trouble waking up. I am just not as functional of a human being. I feel like when it's cloudy outside. So I take the same. Um, okay. Breakfast for dinner or dinner for breakfast. Breakfast for dinner. Mm -hmm. I eat breakfast foods are like my favorite. I eat waffles like multiple times a day, um, especially when I don't like have food prepared or anything like the amount of, if I like took the computer and showed you how many boxes of waffles I had in my freezer that's in my garage, it's like scary. Um, so I, I would say breakfast for dinner because I love waffles. So much. your new nickname is going to be like the waffle hoarder. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. Change my handle it. waffle dietitian. Waffle dietitian. Just, I eat waffles all the time. Yes, that, that, could be, that could be a cool angle. It's a niche. It's a niche. Uh, final one here. If you are going to go hang out in the water, whether that be swimming, floating on a floaty, whatever being in the water looks like for you, do you prefer salt water or fresh water? It's a great idea. And this answer is actually or a great question. It's going to be funny. I actually hate getting in water, okay. especially if there's like wildlife in it. I'm like, mm -mm. like, no, thank you. Don't need to get bit by a shark. Don't need alligators or whatever is in the water, fish touching me. So I, um, even being in Florida, like I go up to like my ankles, like I do not go in water. It's like a weird fear. And so we just went to the Springs last summer and there's like snakes and alligators. You would have thought I was having like 
a heart attack the entire, like I was, I don't know where this fear came from. Like I did not have this fear as a child, but like something about not being in control and not being able to like see the wildlife or like, I don't know. So pretty much I just put me on land and I'll be near water. That's, that's what we'll do. All right. Well, restructure the question to say land or water and you say land, land, (laughs) land, but I'll jump out of a plane. Like I've been skydiving, like, but like I just water, like something about deep, like water that I don't know what's in it. It's not for me. I totally get that with the ocean because I feel like when you're going into the ocean, it's like really the unknown, the water's kind of murky, at least where I go to the beach, you can't really see. There's so many unknowns. Whereas in something like a pool or when you, you can see what's below you, I feel that that might ease anxiety a bit. But also if your answer is, I'm just going to be a land human (laughs) instead of a water human, that's okay too. So um, that kind of wraps up our first little segment here, this or that. So hopefully both myself and the listeners know something about you that we didn't a couple of moments ago, but um, I'd love for you to just kind of take a moment to introduce yourself. If no one who is listening or if anyone who's listening doesn't know, Know who you are yet. Um, just share a little bit about who you are, what you do. And I love kind of in conjunction with this, if you could tell us how you stumbled upon intuitive eating. Great question. Um, so yeah, so of course my name is Sammy for those who are listening. Um, I co-own a private practice. So the name of our private practice is Dietitians of Palm Valley. We are a team currently of four registered dietitians. Um, we have an HQ or our storefront, we call it in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. So we have like an actual in-person office space where we see our clients one-on-one. But then I would say where people most popularly know us, if they know us through you, Claire, would be through Instagram, um, which our handle is at Break Diet Rules. And our Instagram um, community, we love chatting with. um, And that's where we do, through Instagram, we find clients that we do work with one-on-one and also in virtual group settings as well. So that's really the bulk of our business um, and kind of the online space versus the in-person but our mission is really to help people create a healthier relationship with food. And then of course, to promote and build health promoting behaviors, if that's something that person wants to do. Um, But the second part of your question kind of pulls in everything together is, you know, coming into being a dietitian, going through school, you're brought up in diet culture, really. Like if, Anybody who's an RD to be or who is a dietitian, a lot of our classes are very weight centric and diet culture focused. Um, so, kind of coming out of school, I had never heard of intuitive eating. I had no idea what it was. Um, and it wasn't until my dietetic internship where I just happened to sit next to Haley Goodrich every evening, um, who is now one of the leading eating disorder dietitians, I would say in the world. Um, she would probably laugh at me if I say that, but I always, <laughs> I tell her every podcast I go on and every podcast that I do, I think I say her name because yeah. I get asked this question so much, like, yeah. how were you exposed? And so at the time, Haley tells her story, like she really didn't even know what it was until she started reading that book during our internship. And she had gone into private practice right after we got out of the dietetic internship. And I just saw this like shift in this, this different like message. And I was like, what is this? Um, so then I kind of reached out to her. I started reading the book by Evelyn Triboli. Um, 
and then came upon Christy Harrison's podcast, Food Psych. And once you start learning about it, you can't unlearn it. Mm -hmm. I forget who said that to me, but someone said that. I was like, that's so true. It's It's so true. Yeah. Once you learn it and like, once you hear it and you like have that feeling in your stomach that you're like, oh my God, like what, what am I doing? Um, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to learn more about this. So just continued to stay curious and learn more, learn from Haley specifically and Fiona Sutherland, her mentor, and um, just really shift our messaging. Because I think a lot of people seek a dietitian or they think they seek a dietitian for weight loss or wanting to eat healthier foods. I'm using air quotes over here. Um, But at the root of it, there's so much of a poor relationship with food and a poor relationship with body image. And as a dietitian, if we choose to ignore that and just hand somebody a meal plan, it's not only a disservice, it's harmful. Um, And I I just knew something had to change. So that's really where I was exposed to it. I would say was through Haley. And um, so our messaging has really shifted and and my whole belief system as a human has shifted. That sounds like crazy to say, but really there's been a huge shift over the past few years um, with intuitive eating. Yeah. I think that's so cool. I remember the moment that I realized you had a connection with Haley from your real life and everything kind of started coming together. I was like, wow, small world, right? But it really is so true that seeing one person, whether it be a friend or someone on social media taking an approach that is obviously different, that is not what we learned in school to become dietitians. I think it kind of offers that permission slip to say, hey, you can do this too, right? And it's okay that we weren't brought up in a system that was weight neutral or focusing on the the behavior or the health relationship or food relationship side of things, but it's okay if you want to do that, right? It's okay if you want to kind of step outside of the norm and take this different approach. And I can very much agree that I didn't learn about intuitive eating until like the middle of my dietetic internship. I stumbled upon the book, quite randomly in the library. (laughs) I don't know. I guess it was when people still went to the library and didn't do all stuff online. But yeah, I I walked into the library and there it was on the shelf. And I'll never forget. I pulled it off. I was like, well, I guess this might be a decent read. (laughs) might be something helpful. And yeah, it was really in that moment where you start reading and digesting, pun intended, all of this information. And you know, like, well, I can't go back (laughs) to what I used to do or maybe exactly what I was taught because I see the harm that it can pose instead of um, the help. So knowing a little bit more about you and kind of how your messaging has shifted over the past couple of years, something that I would love to dive into as I kind of briefed you on before we hit record Um, I'd love to kind of use our episode here to talk about one way that we can bring a perspective shift into something that is often demonized by the diet culture that we live in and the educational system that we came up in. But it's this topic of emotional eating. And I like say that with like my ominous voice, because I feel like when we hear those words together, we're like, oh no, (laughs) right? But emotional eating or stress eating or coping with emotions through food. I know you had a post on this recently and I was reading through it and it was kind of one of those side-by-side posts of, you know, what diet culture teaches versus what an intuitive eater 
can do or maybe enjoys doing or benefits from. So before we even dive into the reframe on this and how we can learn a different side, I'd love to know just in your opinion, how is emotional eating represented by diet culture? Like why do we have such like a negative connotation associated with eating for an emotional reason? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, it's such a, it's such a loaded question. There's obviously so much that goes into it, but, um, I think with emotional eating before we even like get into emotional eating, and this is something I know that you and I have been learning. So for anyone listening, Claire and I also went through Evelyn Triboli's like teleseminars together Mm -hmm. and we're both working towards becoming intuitive eating certified counselors. Um, but is the person biologically fed first? That's like the place I like to start with. Um, because a lot of times I think people, I'm going to use air quotes for anyone listening, like people think that they're being bad, mm-hmm. um, when they're eating and they have this like urgency to eat and they feel that out of control eating. Um, but really like before we even get to like emotional or stress eating on, I don't have a percentage on this that I can pull science from, but like the majority of the time people are just like not actually fed properly Mm -hmm. and then they feel out of control and then they think that they're stressed or emotionally eating, but really they're just stressed about the eating experience. I think itself and, um, feeling like they're morally bad air quotes for that. So am I answering your question? I just started talking in circles, but I feel like that's where like diet culture, like people will come to us, right. And say like, tell me how to stop eating at nighttime (laughs) or like, tell me I can't do it. I'm like, no, no, no. That's not what we do. Like instead of saying, don't do something, let's become curious behind like, why is it happening? And so then once we can like put on that curiosity cap, instead of slapping our wrist and saying, don't eat anymore, then we can look deeper and say, okay, is this going on because we're not biologically fed? Is this going on because there's stress or an, or any emotion. It could be any emotion associated with the eating. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. No, I think there's so much truth to that because I think on the surface, diet culture just teaches us to feel bad or shameful about any eating experience that doesn't quote unquote look a certain way. It's like, oh, you're eating after a certain time at night. You shouldn't be doing that. That's bad. Or, oh, you know, you feel stressed out or you're eating over X amount of something like, oh, something's wrong with you. You shouldn't be doing that. Right. So I think really what you're trying to bring to light here, and I totally agree with, instead of being in an experience and just labeling it as bad, I'm bad, I'm out of control, getting curious, like, okay, if this is happening, there's probably a reason why it's happening, right? Like no eating experience happens in a vacuum. (laughs) There's always some sort of need or reason that is driving that. So I think what you're saying is if this is going on in your life, instead of just saying, I'm bad, how, how can I stop doing this? Sammy, tell me how say, well, why might it be happening? Because something that I always say to my clients when they ask about quote unquote emotional eating and kind of getting at it through this other lens, I say, you know, if we identify that you're eating out of biological hunger, it's not emotional eating. It's just eating, right? Even though it might- just eating, even though it might feel kind of stressful in the moment, but really, you know, if your body has that unmet need of I'm hungry, I need fuel, it's going to go to whatever length it needs to, 
or it has to, to get that. So I think what we're kind of hinting at here is we, as dietitians who practice through the intuitive eating non-diet lens, we um, talk a little differently <laughs> about emotional eating or stress eating. So I'm curious, maybe after you've had that conversation with your clients of, you know, are you fed? Are you biologically hungry? Um, what might come next? So let's say for someone that they are eating regularly and we say, you know, I am fed and I'm not eating out of biological hunger here. What can we maybe do or say to normalize the fact that we as humans still eat out of emotional reasons at times? And maybe what's like a reframe that we can provide there? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I think exactly what you're saying, I think we have to normalize the experience. And that was something in the post that you're talking about specifically. Like I, I originally, I forget what I had under it. And I was like, oh wait, like I had to stop myself and be like, for the intuitive eating side, like has other coping mechanisms, like or uses food if needed. And I think that's really important to say, like, if you use food for emotional eating, it is okay. Like, it doesn't make you a bad person. So if anyone's listening to this, if you say, okay, are you a bad person for eating a sleeve of Thin Mints? No, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't change your character or anything. But being able to, again, normalize that, to say, like, that's something that's going to happen, but then the next step is how do we come up with additional coping mechanisms that are going to honor your body? Because at the end of the day, we all have permission to eat a sleeve of Thin Mints. I have no idea why that came to mind. I think my <laughs> client, I think my clients last night said that in our group yeah. coaching and now it's like in it's my head. Al it's also Girl Scout cookie season. I will have yeah, that could be it. recording this. So yeah, it could be yes. it. Yes. So, so we all have the permission to eat the sleeve of Girl Scout cookies, um, but then bringing it back to after we do that, how do we physically feel? And if the answer is unpleasant, then what can we do so that we don't have to have that unpleasant eating experience? Not because we're not allowed, air quotes, but because it doesn't feel good. And so that's where it's then finding other coping mechanisms. So through intuitive eating saying, okay, do I need a distraction? Do I need support? Do I need to feel, deal with the feeling directly? Do I need an active self-care? Um, and from there being able to identify like, what do I need in that moment versus, and, and realizing that that sleeve of Girl Scout cookies is just trying to fill a void for what your body truly needs but the permission to eat that food is always there. That's like the, the little disclaimer um, and that it's never a bad thing if we do it. Yeah. And I think that word, the P word permission is so important because that's what makes this conversation in the context of intuitive eating so different, I feel, than how maybe other practitioners may handle emotional eating. Instead of saying, hey, it's okay if you eat the sleeve of cookies, you have permission to say, they say, oh no, no, <laughs> we can't be doing that, right? Don't bring them into your house. Maybe have the, I don't know, bowl of X food instead that's maybe deemed mm -hmm. quote unquote healthier. It's kind of like slapping a band-aid on what the actual root of the problem is saying, oh, like you're eating something emotionally or you feel like you have no control. Just don't bring those foods in. But what we're saying that's very different is you have permission, of course, to be eating those foods. And if you do choose to eat them to try to fill the void 
more meat would ever need you might be having in that moment, it's okay. But I think the thing I'm really drawing out of your answer is when you choose to go down that route, have that moment with yourself of, it's okay that I did this. My body knows how to handle the cookies and how do I feel, right? Did I feel good in the moment? Do I feel unpleasant afterwards? I love that you use the word like unpleasant. It's not, I feel good or bad. It's like, do I feel neutral? Do I feel unpleasant? Like what's coming up for me? And, you know, maybe in the future, is there something else that I could ask myself in this moment or think about to say, is there anything else I can do that might actually soothe what I'm feeling or meet my need in a way that lasts for more than like, a couple of minutes or 30 seconds. So um, I, I don't know if you have any like words that you maybe use to describe this with your clients, but kind of what we're getting at here of developing more tools, your coping mechanisms. I call it like the self-care toolbox. I don't know. I liked, I'm a very cool person in my mind. So like I'm seeing like this picture of a toolbox in my brain with like cookies in one slot and then uh, other things filled in other slots. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, do you have any tips? Like I always like to boil down these episodes to things that are very tactical, but say someone is listening and they say, okay, I get it. Like I'm going to meet my biological needs first. And if I still feel like I'm using food to cope in a way that makes me feel unpleasant, what are maybe some things that they can ask themselves or do to kind of fill up the other slots in the toolbox in a way that makes sense for them? Do you have any ideas, strategies, things along those lines? It's a great question. So I think the first thing is, so, because a lot of times I think when it's called like stress eating or even emotional eating, but more so stress eating, people just like only relate it to stress, like the word stress. So I think the first step is being able to identify like, is there a pattern in the eating? So is it, um, is it a specific emotion that keeps coming back up? Um, and so being able to identify that emotion first, which is a lot easier said than done. Cause a lot of times with emotional eating, what happens is we feel a certain emotion. Um, we pick up a rug, we brush the emotion under the rug, we put the rug down and then we turn to food because food makes us happy and it's an easy, quick fix and it's a coping mechanism. So the first step is being able to identify the emotion um, or the need that needs to be met, right? And what's not being met. So um, for example, if my husband and I, let's say, I I don't know where these examples are coming from. They're just coming from my mind, but here we go. I love it. (laughs) So if my husband and I get in like a screaming argument because we're human and I get like pissed off and I just go directly towards chips and salsa because that's my favorite food and it makes me happy and it's easy and it's there. That would be like a sudden event, right? That brought on that emotion. So being able to identify that versus if we have, let's say like, um, a new mom and she's a stay at home mom and there's a screaming baby, um, or she's dealing with her new infant that screams and cries and she constantly will turn to food just because that's something that's soothing to her. And that could be something that's happening over and over and more of like a pattern. So first being able to identify like where it's coming from, is it sudden? Is it a pattern? Um, what emotion is, is happening and then being able to bring it back to like, what do I need? So for example, with my husband and I, if I was screaming and angry and it was sudden, like 
no matter how many chips and salsa I eat, like that's not going to solve the problem, right? It's probably that feeling needs to be dealt with directly. And until we sort out whatever the argument is about, that, that need isn't going to be met. So that, in that instance, I would say it would be needing to deal with the feeling directly. So maybe taking time to cool off, whether it's like putting my headphones in, going and sitting and listening to some calming music first to just like say like, wow, what just happened? And then kind of take a second and then deal with it. Or um, go for, you know, go for a walk, mm-hmm. get out of um, it. And I hate saying like, get out of the kitchen. Cause I feel like that's like the old diet culture thing. Like, oh, you're stressed, leave the kitchen. Like, okay, yeah. thanks. Um, so I don't mean it in that sense, but just like, like getting somewhere that is peaceful for you. So for me, like I love our lanai um, out back, like that's a really like peaceful place for me. So like I would go there and be like, okay, assess what's going on. Mm-hmm. Versus if we use the example I had with like the new mom, if it's like a more of a behavior pattern of emotional eating, um, maybe it's when her partner comes home to be able to say like, I need you to take the child for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and I need X, whatever X is. So if X is a bubble bath, if X is maybe sitting down and eating like a meal Mm -hmm. and like focusing on nourishing your body instead of if she's just like constantly moving throughout the day, maybe it is putting her headphones in, going somewhere peaceful. So I think it, it's so situational of what a person needs and it's so individualized but it's being able to look at the situation and saying, what is truly going to help with this emotion that's coming up right now? Is it sudden? Is it a pattern that I'm seeing every day? And what do I need in this moment? Yeah. I love that so much. And I've never thought about breaking it down by, is the event sudden? Like, is it happening right now? Is this the first time it's happened in a while? Or is it more of a habit or a behavior pattern? Because I think our conversations are obviously going to be a little bit different and individualized towards either. But I I think the thing or what I'm hoping people are taking away from your answer is that, you know, when you are identifying, okay, X is happening, instead of going on autopilot, and I love the analogy of picking up the rug, sweeping it under, putting the rug back down, instead of going on autopilot, just taking that moment of pause and say, I know what might be about to happen because I've been here before. I've lived through this experience. I've lived through the stress. I know emotional eating or eating to feel soothed or eating to solve whatever I might be feeling might be at the end of this road, but what other um, exits, I kind of like to use a road analogy. It's like, I'm on this road. I know where it goes, but what other exits can I maybe take or just, you know, let myself know, Hey, this is available to me. And oftentimes we do that by kind of strategizing beforehand. So uh, something I always encourage people to do kind of like you're walking through these examples now is say, you know, when do these patterns come up? How do I typically react and think about them in a situation when they're not actually happening yet. (laughs) So kind of strategizing before our bandwidth is like completely taken up by the stress and the emotion of the situation and kind of letting myself know, well, in that moment, feasible options for me might look like X, Y, and Z. 
Because something too that many of my clients have shared, I don't know if you've ever experienced this as well, but in talking with some, whether it be friends or other practitioners around the topic of eating out of an emotion, emotional eating, whatever you want to call it, they have come to me saying, you know, I feel like I've just been given like band-aid solutions to this problem. Like, oh, just go take a walk. It's whatever. Yeah. Or like, oh, just, you know, go do X, Y, and Z, which is okay in certain scenarios. But I think that kind of erases the need for every um, tactic being very individualized in the moment, right? We mm -hmm. might not always be in a situation where a walk is feasible, right? Like in the context of the mom with her baby, like she might not always be able to leave <laughs> and go out for a nice stroll, right? Yeah. So I think too, kind of thinking through just different situations of what might work for me within a time constraint that I have or in a certain environment can be really helpful. I mean, have you ever had someone come to you and, and say, I've heard something like this before, but it's always just been like, do this and all of your problems will be solved. Like, have you ever yeah. had people say that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think honestly, like that's what we were taught to yeah. like, because like, oh, you're a dietitian, you're only licensed to tell people what to eat and how much to eat and like stay in your lane. But it's like, no food like goes into so much more than that. And with intuitive eating training, really building introspective awareness to be able to look inside like yourself and say, what do I need? Um, is that's again, much easier said than done because a lot of times we're in this world where we're not taking care of ourselves. And a lot of my clients specifically are women and a lot of mothers. And so for so long, they've been taking care of others for so much that when it, comes to taking care of themselves. That's like a whole foreign concept. Um, so definitely, I think, like you said, putting a bandaid on it, or I even think about it as like, if we're just telling someone, Oh, go for a walk if you're stressed or whatever, that's like putting a cast on their ankle when they have a broken wrist. Like it's literally not helping. Like, I don't even want to like sugarcoat it and say like, that's okay. It's not okay. Like you're not helping. And so it's again, but being able to, as a practitioner, look and say like, wow, okay. I wasn't helping that person. I might've, I might've harmed them. So how can I learn how to look inside myself as a practitioner and say, okay, I need to fix this. Like, how do I, I learn more? And I think that's where intuitive eating comes in that one of the principles coping, um, with stress or coping with your emotions with kindness. Right. Um, and so it's a huge part of it for sure. Yeah. I think I love something that you're kind of touching on because I know people who listen to this podcast. I have fellow dietitians. I have people who are new to intuitive eating. I have people mm -hmm. who have been here for a long time. But I think something that anyone who is listening can take away is no matter what lens you are hearing this conversation through, you can always look in and say, how can I do better, right? Not from the place yeah. of shaming or saying I did yeah. something awful or I'm to blame, but it's like, hey, I'm always doing the best that I can with what I know and with what I have yes. available at that time, whether that was eating out of an emotion or being a practitioner who gave a piece of advice that maybe wasn't helpful in the long run. So I think it's really um, encouraging to look at it through that lens of self-compassion of I don't have to blame myself and what can I do better? 
at yeah. the same time. Um, and, and two, the, the final thing that I want to touch on before we kind of get to where people can find you and a final question that I have, you mentioned there, which is something that I was hoping we could touch on, that one of the principles of intuitive eating is actually shifting a little bit in this new edition that is coming out, I believe in June, correct? Mm-hmm. You know? think I know it's this year I didn't know when because I'm like should I have bought it by now like (laughs) is it out I know I know now I mean we're recording this in March this will probably air in April I think it's still on like pre-order which makes me believe it's not out yet I think it is June or July but um the principle used to be cope with your emotions without using food um and I think kind of as we are talking in this conversation is and as I assume both Evelyn and Elise kind of realize you know that messaging even though they're was much more to it, but saying on the surface, oh, just don't use food or don't do that can mm. actually be really harmful. So I think it's really helpful to know that, you know, they, you know, the, the people who made intuitive eating what we know it to be today are still always learning and improving and making things better. So we can do the same. So yep, it's now coping with your emotions with kindness, which I love, I think is um, so much more of a positive message for sure. So Sammy, I have loved our conversation so far, and I think we have hit a couple of nails right on the head of giving people some tactical takeaways and some reframes that they can use. Um, But I have two final questions for you. One is more of a logistical question. Um, So we'll do that one last, but I have a question that I always like to use as I wrap up with guests um, because part of my platform and I know yours and all of your colleagues platforms as well is talking about how we can be gentle with ourselves, how we can care for our bodies rather than, you know, shame wherever we might be. So I'm curious when it comes to your life specifically, what if any practice practices or habits do you have in place to help you live a little bit more gently and kindly with yourself? Does that make sense? Love this question. Um, I think that's an amazing question to ask. And I am super excited to answer this and to yell it from the rooftops um, that 2020 was like my year that I was like, I got to deal with this anxiety and really focus on my mental health. Um, And so I actually have a therapist that I work with who Mm -hmm. she is a certified intuitive eating counselor. Um, Her name is Katie Stewart. She is fantastic. Um, And she also works virtually with people. If anybody just shameless plug for her there. Um, But I think for me this year, it was really important. I'm terrible with boundaries. Like I don't know how to say no. And I am a people pleaser to the max, which goes without saying no to people. Um, So it just took a while for me to be like, okay, I really need to address this, Um, especially being an entrepreneur and not saying no. That's really hard because then you're just always doing things. Um, So for me, it was really just looking as at myself from like an outside lens of like a client and being like, what would you tell that person like myself if they were your client? Um, so for me, it was really focusing on my mental health and really working specifically to set boundaries, um, in my life where they need to be placed. 
I love that. That I've had lots of answers to this question before, and I don't know if I've ever had someone offer one that's focused on setting boundaries and like mm-hmm. from that perspective of what might I tell a client or a friend or a loved one if they were saying similar things to how I feel. Um, because yeah. I think we're always so inclined to be kind and gentle to those who we love, but when we kind of turn the narrative back on ourselves, it becomes much more challenging to actually take that So I love that so much. Thank you for sharing what you are doing, how you are improving. It kind of ties in there with the last couple of things we were talking about too. So speaking of you and what you are doing, what's happening over at Dietitians Palm Valley? Where can people find you? Um, Where can they get more of your content and maybe get involved with your message if they feel so inclined? Great question. So the easiest way to find us is if you go on social media, the handle at break diet rules, that's where you can pretty much find every single thing we do from one-on-one in person, one-on-one online. We have a full online nutrition course that walks through the 10 principles of intuitive eating. We do virtual group coaching, um, but that can all be found on our handle at break diet rules. Yeah. Um, social media makes it pretty easy to say, I have yeah. all of these things, but the one place you can find, yeah. you can find it all. Yeah. And yep. then I, I know as well, um, do you want to plug your podcast that oh. is going to be coming soon? Thank or you. Yes. See, good thing you're here, Claire, because I wouldn't <laughs> remember that. Um, and Jenna would kill me. Um, so, and Claire will be on this podcast as well. So we right now are in the midst of pre-recording many episodes, um, but our podcast is called Drunk Dietitian. It is myself, um, as well as Jenna Warner from Happy Strong Healthy RD. Um, And so that podcast, similar, similar, I would say, to yours in which we're having lots of dietitians, mental health counselors, just medical professionals, and just talking about their journey and um, where they're at today and how they got there. Okay. Well, everybody keep an eye out for their podcast that will hopefully be live dropping soon. If not by the time this episode is out, if it's out by then, I'll be sure to link and share. But Sammy, thank you so much for being here on this Friday for sharing some perspective shifts on emotional eating or coping with our emotions using kindness, I guess we can say and use their term. But um, anyone who is interested in finding out more about Sammy, please go and find her, check her out on social media. But that is all we have for today, my friends of the Yours Truly podcast. So we will sign off. Yours Truly, Claire and Sammy. There you have it, my friends. Episode 87 here of the pod is a wrap. I hope you are coming out of this episode with a new understanding of quote-unquote emotional eating, why it doesn't have to be as scary as diet culture represents it as, and again, a couple of tools that you can keep in your back pocket to help you throughout this time that we are living in now and for the rest of your hopefully long and very happy life. So as always, if you find what we talk about here on the Yours Truly podcast to be helpful, 
enlightening, inspiring, funny, insert, whatever words you like to describe our content here, I would be forever grateful if you could take a couple of moments, however much time you have to tap those five stars, maybe leave us a review as well, telling people why you love us here on the podcast, because the more ratings and reviews that we receive, the more this message can grow to reach individuals who could benefit from hearing it. So as always, leave us those ratings reviews, take a screenshot wherever you are listening to the show, tag me at Claire Tuning and Sammy at Break Diet Rules. Let us know what you thought about the episode and we will see you back here next Wednesday on the podcast. But until then, take care, stay safe, and we'll talk soon.